Welcome to the Leading Ladies Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Fernandez, and I'm here to talk about all things leadership. I know being a woman leader feels more complicated than ever, so I'm bringing on expert guests and sharing advice from my own experiences so that you can level up every aspect of your life. No topic is off limits as we explore what it means to live with confidence in your purpose and calling, from what it means to be a bold woman in every sphere of influence to how to balance your work and personal life and everything in between. So whether you lead a church, a business, a team, or are the CEO of your own home, join us for authentic conversations, inspiring stories, and the tools and strategies that will equip you to become the leading lady of your own life. Well, today on the podcast, we have one of my good friends, Krista Wallace, and I'm super excited to be talking with her today because she has an incredible background in specifically the learning space, the teaching, educating Mm -hmm. space, and um, I know you've been the director of learning innovation at Elevate for how long now? Three years now. And thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Of course. It's great to be here today. And then before that, though, you co-launched with your husband, Dulos, which was an international Christian school Mm -hmm. in the Dominican Republic. Yep. Dulos Discovery School. Dulos Discovery School. It's a... a it's a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you also launched Pico Escondido. Am I saying that right? That's right. Pico okay. Escondido. Uh, Young Life Camp in the Dominican Republic. So yep. you spent what, like 20 years down 19 there? 19 years in the 19. DR. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, almost 20, right? Yeah. Close <laughs> enough. Yeah. And then the other thing that we've really bonded about is talking about like women in leadership because you mm-hmm. recently completed Yale's, I think it's the School of Management Leadership program, right? Yeah, that's right. So that was really cool to hear about that. I didn't even know there were, you know, leadership programs for women in these big universities, but we're going to get more into that. So tell you more about it. Exactly. Well, so I'd like to just talk about like, I what explain a little bit about what you do, because I think you, you have a really unique job. You're in the nonprofit space, but Elevate also isn't a Christian organization. It's a civic organization, but it's run by a bunch of Christians. (laughs) So, yes, we are a bunch of faith-filled people for sure. Yeah. Uh, But my role that I have with Elevate is Director of Learning Innovation, which means that I get to do all of our training and equipping of staff. Right. Um, I focus a lot of my time on training new staff, brand new teacher mentors and other uh, positions. But I also uh, manage all of our professional development for our staff across the country. We're in 17 cities across the states. Which is amazing. And Uh, the Navajo community. And now the Navajo Nation, which is a brand new launch. Which I did not know a nation could exist within the U.S. And the Navajo is their own nation. They have their own president. They have their own language. It's amazing. It's it's really cool. So, and with Elevate, you know, you're really in charge of, explain what a teacher mentor is, because I think people yeah. don't know, aren't familiar with that. So a teacher mentor is an adult that's full-time, fully salaried. So when we think of mentoring, most of the time we think of volunteer. Right. Something that you do once a week or a few times a month. Like a few Boys hours. and Girls Club. Or, yeah. Yeah. But this is, so a teacher mentor is a full-time employee of Elevate uh, in that city. And they teach uh, accredited public, excuse me, accredited elective classes in public high schools or middle schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also about half their time is spent in the classroom and half the time is spent with that student outside of school, which right. might mean afternoons, evenings, which might mean a weekend, which it definitely includes summers um, and some camping programs. But it's, I mean, it's someone who is on that school campus as a staff person. Right, eight hours a day. Or eight hours a day. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes less because they've also got to yeah. uh, take into consideration after school activities with kids. Yeah. Um, so it's a full time position to be a mentor in a teaching position at the public school. Yeah. Which is very unique. And I, I having the privilege to work with Elevate, just doing some freelance marketing and mm-hmm. things over the past, like, I guess it was a year ago, mm-hmm. I really was impressed by how. It's sort of a model where you can have that influence as a mentor, mm-hmm. but because you're in the teaching zone, your access to kids is much higher. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I know as a young life leader, right, like, I would just see my kids after school. Maybe we'd bring pizza for lunch. Yeah. But the, you know, amount of, I mean, it was still a lot of investment, 15 hours a week probably for me of picking kids up and hanging out with them, taking them to club, like, but with teacher mentors it's like you're being paid to be present right you're offering we're offering courses yeah that are credited through the school district Mm -hmm. so these are electives that students are getting credit for um 
And they fo- these classes focus around social-emotional learning, leadership development. Yeah. And then 12th graders take uh, Elevate Beyond, which is a, uh, it's a class that helps them know what the options are after high school mm-hmm. and then help them create a plan and then teacher mentors walk, walk with them to help kind of see that plan to fruition. Yeah. So one of the things we were talking about is that in the nonprofit space, a lot of women are leaders. Yeah. And so I'm curious what that looks like in your organization. So if you looked at most nonprofit organizations, either, you know, faith-filled organizations or not, or civic or so many nonprofits in our communities are run by women. Yeah. Which is a beautiful opportunity for women to begin to lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know personally, my husband and I, um, well, we, we started a nonprofit organization and I was the executive director of that. I was also the headmaster of the school uh, that we started in the DR. And uh, it was a really great space for me to learn how to grow, mm-hmm. to learn how to manage people, uh, work with the board of directors, raise yeah. money. Nothing like being thrown in the deep end, right? To well, <laughs> I, honestly, what, and, and going back to the, the <laughs> Yale um, you know, School of Management Women's Leadership Program, one of the things that I learned about women in leadership is that we tend to be more gifted naturally in leadership. Oh, interesting. Because we're relational, would love to hear that, right? Sorry. (laughs) Well, and and the superpower that many women have is this ability to lead through relationship. Yeah, collaboration. Right. We're we're far less competitive and far more collaborative. Yeah. And long term, collaboration is going to be more effective in developing healthy teams for longevity of your staff, um, for growing your organization Mm -hmm. than having a highly, highly competitive attitude, at least for nonprofits. Yeah. Uh, So that was an interesting thing to learn. Yeah, that is really interesting. How's that show up with, like, your staffing? Is it predominantly male, female? With Elevate? Yeah. So we have a lot of women, for sure. And we do have more and more women in leadership. So probably a third of our of our executive directors mm-hmm. um, are women. Mm-hmm. And then the next level of layer, layer, excuse me, the next level of leadership is almost completely women. So that's so, the teacher mentors. Nope. That would be like our program managers, oh, our okay. education leads, the ones who are managing the team. Oh, so the executive director is the one raising yeah. support, being the public face of the, of the organization. In each city, right. But the, but that next level of, of leadership is really the one who's managing the nuts and bolts of, of the organization, you yeah. know, the, the people. Well, and this is, this is just my point with why it's so important for women to be trained in how to lead because mm-hmm. they find themselves in these leadership roles and there's not a ton of resources out yeah. there to figure out how do I improve my leadership, right? Like, yeah. so that's something that I'm curious, how do you guys develop your leaders within, and like, how have you learned? Cause you're kind of in a role now where you're a leader of developing leaders. other leaders <laughs> or yes managing which is a perfect role I love this role (laughs) yeah you're like you're like three leadership you know because you have you then the executive directors Mm -hmm. then you have you know their program managers then the teachers and all of those people are in a chain of leadership so I'm just curious like how are you dispensing leadership down the chain so if you look at it from the bottom up Mm -hmm. we are a mentoring organization so Elevate is a mentoring organization truly leadership is developed through mentor you know, this mentoring relationship somehow. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, so I train our teacher mentors and then a lot of time, you know, we'll have a few teacher mentors that kind of rise above mm-hmm. and we go, man, they would, they're ready for the next level of challenge. Mm. And so then we create a position of like a, an education lead or a program manager. And then um, as that affiliate continues to grow and develop, we will have um, opportunities further leadership opportunities within that affiliate mm. um, you know and it may be a, it may be great for uh, a male it may be great for a female so it's, it's really trying to find the best fit how, how do you guys kind of spot like leadership potential in people that's what I'm interested as a mentoring organization how do you spot and how do you cultivate it <laughs> personally so I'm going to use the term in Spanish okay there's a term that I love it's called inquieto okay so an, un, un inquieto is someone who's who's restless Okay. Who's like, oh, I love that. Who sees something and they're not just going to be okay with status quo. Yeah. So, in my mind, a leader is someone who is observant enough to notice when something's not quite like it should be. Right. And also has the wherewithal and yeah. the inquietude, like the <laughs> restlessness, yeah. 
to do something about it. Say, like, I'm going to raise my hand and say, I want to fix this problem or I want to grow this potential right. thing I see. Yeah. Right. So we can, as, as leaders, we could hear that and be like, oh, I have a problem staff. Yeah. Or <laughs> you could say, she has leadership potential. Okay. Right? Yeah. Someone who's like, wait, wait, this isn't going the way I want it to go. Mm. We need to do something about it. Yeah. You know, Instead of being annoyed, like, why are you bringing annoyed me problems? or threatened. Yeah. A lot of times people feel threatened when you mm. have that kind of person on your team. Yeah. And I'm like, I want a whole team full of these people. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Right? Because you're thinking, okay, they have leadership potential because they're pointing out things that need to change. Exactly. So instead of me being annoyed by that energy coming my way, or I should channel it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. What do you, how do you want to solve that problem? Yeah. <laughs> Let's figure this out. Yeah. And, and then you begin. So at the basic level, leaders want to lead. That's true. And when leaders don't have the opportunity to lead. They get very stifled. Or they leave. Yeah, that's true. If leaders don't leave, excuse me, if leaders don't lead, leaders yeah. leave. Yeah, that's a, I love that. Right? That's a great quote. Because if, if they're not having opportunities to continue to grow in their organization, or maybe maybe if it's not in their work, in their personal world, mm-hmm. um, if they're not continuing to be able to stretch those you know, use those those muscles that that truly mm-hmm. had been God given mm-hmm. in many senses. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna they're gonna go find a place to exercise. That's that. so true. I've actually never thought about that. Now that you say that, I'm looking back on jobs that I've had, and when I felt really stifled or micromanaged or unable to make any take Bye-bye. any initiative, I was out of there within like a year or two. Yeah, me too. And some people <laughs> look at my career or my resume and be like, "You've had so many jobs. You've done so many things." It's like, well, I think I was kind of always looking for the like uh, somebody mm-hmm. who saw that potential in me and was willing to mentor it. Mm-hmm. At, and and yeah. when I found a boss or a, somebody above me who was maybe threatened or like you said, or yeah. like just annoyed and just wanted me to stay in my lane in my box and do my little job. And it was like, OK, then I'm going to start looking for another job. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, because I've got more to offer. Yeah. This isn't all I am. This isn't all I do. Yeah. I want to be able to fully maximize And why potential. wouldn't you want that? This is why I never understand. Like, why wouldn't you want someone who wants to take your vision and expand it with their talent, you know? For one very simple reason. Mm-hmm. You begin to lose control when mm-hmm. you empower others to lead. Yeah. So you have to be, to, if, you wanna, if you want to lead leaders, you have to be secure in your own leadership. Oh, I love that. Say that again. Okay. If you want to lead leaders, mm-hmm. you have to be secure in your own leadership. Yeah, and for us control freaks, that can be a little, <laughs> be a little challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because things will change. Yeah. I mean, leaders typically influence change, and which means this is a dynamic situation. It doesn't yeah. mean this is always forever going to be this one way. Yeah, it's not the military where there's like this process and protocol that has no. been this way for 50 years. It's right. like this is an organic beast that's going to keep evolving, right. and you have to be comfortable with that evolution. Right. So I'm curious for you, like – do you consider yourself a leader? Obviously, I would say yes because you're in this role. But yeah. when did you kind of realize that? Oh, yeah, I think I might be a leader. Um, that's a great question, and I, and that was when I was thinking about on the drive over here. Um, honestly, f- since I was probably a teenager. Okay, you just always felt that. I have typically been the first one to step up and try something new. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the one that's kind of recruiting my folks to, to do things. Um, I started my first business when I was 16. Oh, okay. I mean, there's just, what like, was your first business? I'm curious. I taught swimming lessons. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> In my backyard. In your backyard. Did you have a pool? Yeah. Oh, okay. A very small pool. Okay. But it was enough. So <laughs> yeah, did that for five summers. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, now where did you live? Cause I'm like, nobody has pools in their backyard yeah. in Colorado. <laughs> Plus you got I grew money. up in Texas. <laughs> okay. Everybody got a pool in their backyard. Everybody. Yeah. You fly into Dallas and you're like, Oh, look at all that blue. Yeah. It's cause to survive the Texas <laughs> so hot. You gotta yeah. have a pool in your backyard. Yeah. That's super cool. So it was kind of through your teens and then as you were kind of coming. Yeah. Up. And I did, I think just, um, so I don't know if, if you've ever talked about Enneagram on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm obsessed a little with bit. Enneagram. Yeah. So. so I'm a seven. Me too. Oh, I yeah, didn't know, I didn't that, know that, Sarah. That's cool. <laughs> with a very strong eight wing. Okay. I think I have that too. Yes. I think because people always think I'm an eight. Mm-hmm. And I, for a long time, thought I was a two. Uh-huh. And then I, then I was like, maybe I'm just So a, a lot of women of two. faith tend to, we learn habits of a two, and then of being that helper. Twos, right? And then we think, but that's not naturally what we would well, it's taken me a long time to depart with that, like, because mm-hmm. I really, for like 
when I first did the Enneagram for like a few years, I was like, I am a two. Yeah. Like I, I don't care what people say about the Christian woman thing. Like, I am for sure a two. And then, because then I was like, twos go to eight and stress. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a stressed out two all the time. And then, <laughs> and then after like some more, like the really the past year, I've really, because I've, I've married to a two and mm-hmm. Stefan is very clearly a two. Okay. And I'm like, I do not operate like him. So <laughs> I must not be this. He's much more compassionate and giving. Calmer. Yeah. Calmer. <laughs> and I'm like very spicy boom, 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 and boom, like boom, boom, I gotta boom. be going and I've been you like, have all these plates spinning oh, at the yeah, same the time pandemic I like imploded because I couldn't do any activities I couldn't travel oh, yeah. I mean I'm so bored yeah like boredom is the yeah most terrifying space to be in as a seven exactly <laughs> exactly and like not being able to escape mm-hmm. so like you know like you know the whole fear of the seven is like escaping pain right or, Right. negativity and it's like we're being caught in the same thing over and over yeah, again yeah yeah mm-hmm. so anyways okay but where were you going with that okay so we're both sevens <laughs> so uh honestly i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> okay we were talking about how did you know oh you were- yeah so okay part of me as a seven is i was always trying new things okay right so um kind of this this perpetual quest for adventure mm-hmm. uh I relate to that. Truly. Mm-hmm. I mean, my undergraduate was in outdoor education. Right. Uh, and then we ended up moving to the Dominican Republic, which was also kind of part of this adventure. Yeah. Um, starting multiple. I mean, and so my husband's an eight with a seven wing. So I'm a seven with an eight wing. He's an eight oh, with a seven wing. So we're actually a pretty good blend for yeah. each other. We understand each other's yeah. very high levels of energy and uh, risk taking. And that if it doesn't work combo. out, that's okay. We're going to try something new. Just shut it down. I mm-hmm. mean, we've started a lot of ventures, Mm -hmm. businesses, social entrepreneurism. And so for me, I tend to be the first, I'm I'm quick to initiate. I'm Mm -hmm. quick to launch things, but I'm probably not going to still be in that position (laughs) five years later. Yeah. Like I'm in an organization right now that I help launch. I've been in it seven years. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm still in (laughs) it. I made it. Yeah, but part shocking. of it is like it's always kind of evolving. So yeah, it's true. It's if as it long as like, it's still creative. Yeah, it starts yeah. to stagnate. If it's just management of something, then yeah. I'm probably going to lose interest fast. Yeah, and I think that's a, such a common thing with leaders in general mm-hmm. because they tend to be visionary, and so part of it is also surrounding yourself with people who love to. Yeah, you need all people for your team. Yeah, who love yeah. to do the parts that you don't right. love to do, and they don't love to do the parts you love to do. You right. know, and right. I'm curious, like, so we talked about, like, you've worked with a lot of young people throughout your whole career, mm-hmm. like, from mm-hmm. the Dominican to Young Life to, you know, the school and now with Elevate. Elevate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you really see, like, in mm. next generation leadership? So I typically, I mean, really, and when I look about, like, at my last 30 years of professional work, most of my work has been done with people in their 20s. Yeah. Which, <clears throat> and I have three daughters now in their 20s. Yeah. Which is very fun. Um. There is a high level of uh, curiosity and energy, mm. and um, there's not a lot of fear in that decade. That's so I cool. think we can do a lot. I th- it's just a really fun age group to work with. Yeah. Because they're still in this learning mode. Like a lot of them, whether they went to college or not, they're still, their brains are still really spongy. And they're really <laughs> open. I they're think. super open. Yeah. Um, that's something I felt Which now is, that I'm 36. I felt, oh, this is when you get a little crusty and you like don't want to change stuff and you don't want to try new things and it you takes take energy risk to avoidant. change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, there's there. I would say that's the the hugely positive side of working with young adults is there's incredibly teachable. Mm. You know, um, but you have to you have to earn that right to be heard with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just come in and go, hey. Because I'm the boss, this is, no, you have to learn how to lead through relationship hmm. with that age group for sure. Do you think that's just this generation, like millennial? No, I think Gen it's Z. true with anybody. It's it's any age. It's anybody. Yeah. But okay. I think 20-year-olds and 20, that, that they will discount you really quick if there's no effort to develop relationships. That's so good. I think that's important for people who lead younger people mm-hmm. to hear mm-hmm. because I think I've definitely been in my 20s with leaders who were in their maybe 40s or 50s and didn't really care to get to know me, didn't Mm-mm. make any effort to just be friendly even. You well, know? you need to, and I think one of the, the key secrets for two leadership is valuing every person on your team. 
Yeah. You mean really? I mean, that's that's kind of the the secret sauce we have at, at Elevate is that we truly, we, we want to, um, we want to give dignity. We want to call out, we don't give dignity. We call out the dignity yeah. that is God-given in each person, whether right. it's our students or the people in our schools or our, our teams. Um, and when, and we know when we're being appreciated. We know. Yeah. Like everybody knows <laughs> yeah. that feeling. Yeah. We do. We know when someone truly is interested in us. Yes. Not just because of the role that I do or the work that yeah. I'm going to do for you, but are you really interested in me? Yeah, as a person. And when and when we as leaders can can truly make the effort to get to know each person on our team that we lead, it goes. I mean, it's 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 the effect is tenfold. And I think you know? we do this really well, like in ministry context. I mm-hmm. think like yeah, anytime I've been on like, and I haven't served on a church staff, but I have been like on a leadership volunteer level where I'm working with church staff and we're having meetings and we're. Yeah. having that team time and yeah. and I've actually worked at a nonprofit that was you know or worked with a nonprofit that was a ministry as well and so it's like I think in those contexts we do it really well but I think in like corporate like small business marketplace settings it gets a little harder to figure out how do we do yeah. relationship professionally where we're not crossing without any being lines. transactional exactly mm-hmm. without being like fake or you know well we have to we have to know what's in our own, like, what do we, how do I view this person? Yeah. Am I just valuing them because of the service they can offer? Right. Or do I truly value that person? Yeah. And I think as Christians too, whether you're leading a small business or you're leading mm-hmm. a Fortune 500 company or you're leading yeah. a ministry, yeah. it's like relationship is what Jesus modeled. Like, absolutely. <laughs> so there's not really a like, I'm not a people this person. This is the I way get of leadership. Of yeah. By Jesus. Yeah. He valued his 12. <laughs> right. And he valued everybody that he came in contact with. Well, and it was interesting because I saw actually a graphic at a church service I was at where it showed exponential uh, yes. discipleship. Yes. And it showed how when you have stadiums or huge groups of people, yeah. that is not as effective actually sometimes as when you have mentored, like Jesus mentored 12, 12 went out and mentored more. Those people, and it, the multiplication effect is massive it's massive and so sometimes even just mentoring the three people on your team mm-hmm. can be more like impactful than the 30,000 people on your Instagram you know and, oh 100 percent. and I think this generation yeah. the younger generation doesn't get that yet like a lot of them want to yeah. build these massive platforms because they're like to have influence I need to have 300,000 yeah. followers and this many likes and this much engagement and all this stuff and from a marketing world we kind of reinforce that, like, well, you got to have all this stuff to... Yeah, to be an influencer. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but I think there is something about to have true influence. Like... So that's... So one of the tools that we use is a tool that was developed by Young Life. Okay. Super simple, and it's called the Leadership Tree. Okay. And you can look... I actually know this. I'm going to be alive forever. Okay. So actually, I'll send you the link. You can put it in the show notes. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Super simple. So if you think of a tree... Mm-hmm. A tree, so let's say, has three main or four main branches. Mm-hmm. So in, in the Young Life Leadership Tree, every leader has three people that, mm-hmm. that he or she is discipling, is, okay. is mentoring, yeah. pouring into, equipping, you okay. know, whatever words you want to use. They are, they're training these three. Mm-hmm. And then over time, let's say over maybe two years, the, each one of those three mm-hmm. is going to find three to mentor. And then over time, this person, so I, have my three. Right. And then my three. Have three more. Will each have their three. Yeah. And then over time, those three Mm -hmm. will have their three. It's like the best form of multi-level marketing. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a. But you never stop. A mentoring pyramid scheme. I love it. Yeah, right. Gosh, no, please. No no. offense to anyone who (laughs) does that. But But the idea is that I'm in relationship with my three for decades. Yeah. Like I will continue to pour into them. Mm. I have someone mentoring me. Yeah. Right? Or I might have a couple of people mentoring me. But this idea that, that there is longevity in this relationships. mentoring relationship. It's not mm-hmm. just for a season. It's literally for a lifetime. So how you do know? you get, like, this is one of the things I've asked myself too, is like, one, how do you find a mentoring relationship mm-hmm. at the stage of life you're in? I felt like it was easier in college, like college age. Right, because it's set up for you. You set up for yeah. you. But like post 25, it's like 
there's true it's hard either to find a business mentor sometimes it's hard to find a spiritual mentor like Mm -hmm. I think that's hard and then I think once you're in a leadership role it's even harder because because you're leading people but then you might look around and be like I'm not being mentored yeah and I did feel that way when I was leading our school many times yeah and we started our school when I was 30 okay and I was the one of the oldest on our staff. Yeah. And you're like, who's mentoring me? <laughs> I, know. <laughs> like, I know. And and honestly, um, I so, so to go back to your question, I think everyone who wants to be mentored has to be proactive. Okay. Don't wait for a mentor to seek you. Yeah. That probably will not happen. Right. In fact, in a business sense, it probably never happens. Yeah, you I actually mean, have to go out. You have to go out and be proactive. So if I want to be mentored, I need to go out and seek the people. Mm. And, I, and so I'm going to give a personal example. So when we started our school, um, we did not have, I knew it wanted to be, I knew I wanted it to be um, experiential learning, but we didn't have a, like a model to go with for K-12 learning. Yeah. So I went back to my college professor yeah. who was my men- one of my mentors okay dr camille bunting at texas a&m and i met with her i told her what we were starting and she was super excited she goes that there's really very few schools in the world that do experiential learning like this yeah and so what I is said, that by the way I don't experiential know. learning just means that it's not paper and pencil it's not just i mean it's it's not passive that you are literally experiencing you're, oh. cre- you're in this creative process okay so if i'm going to learn about coral reefs for sixth grade science yeah we're literally going to spend a week at the beach looking with a marine biologist snorkeling looking at coral reef learning how the 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 reef system works i would have loved that oh my gosh i would have been most people would love it yeah i was was saying it's so good especially for kids who have add and whatnot it's like Get them away from the desk and the book with the picture of the coral reef and yeah. out touching it or looking at it. So you get them out of the classroom <laughs> and they're they're physically experiencing mm. and, and learning and absorbing. But they're also creating something. So mm-hmm. with our school, we use the expeditionary learning model, which actually here in Denver, there's quite a few EL schools. Really? Um, okay. My daughter teaches at one of the original um, EL schools in the Denver area. But um, I, I needed a mentor. Yeah. I... I wanted, I mean, I, my yeah. professor told me about this model, but she said it's new. This was in the late 90s. And, um, no, excuse me, this was 2002, 2003. And um, she said, hey, there's a guy that, that just wrote a book. You yeah. should check out his book. So okay. our, uh, his name was Stephen Levy. Okay. I bought his book. I was like, oh, totally. This is exactly what I want our school to look like. So she, like, shortcutted your. She shortcutted, and then she, she gave me a name. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to go find Stephen Levy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to a conference in Oakland that was an EL conference, Expeditionary Learning Conference. Met Stephen Levy. Okay, wow. By God's tremendous grace, this man is a born-again Christian. Oh, wow. Uh, Jewish by birth and heritage, but um, became a Christian in his 30s. Okay. And he and his wife, Joanna, both mentored me and our school. Yeah. Through this whole process. But I had to be proactive. Yeah, you had to go, like, literally find this guy at a Literally. <laughs> I had to find money to bring him in, to bring him to our school every year. Yeah. Um, he's also the one that, that is our um, – so we do Christian Deeper Learning together, uh, okay. me and Stephen and this other guy, uh, Dan Behrens. What is that? So Christian Deeper Learning is what we did at Dulos, uh-huh. this whole idea of taking um, Christian education but making it experiential mm-hmm. so that it's um, – Real work for uh, real work that meets real needs for real people. Okay. And so that there's this idea that learning is far beyond the classroom, far beyond um, just that you know even your your school. Yeah. That it it really is. It draws in the community and the needs of the community. Yeah. What's important, um, and and inviting kids to be problem solvers and uh, to learning how to serve well in their community. Yeah. So. I'm curious, like, just as a side note, like, if parents are listening to this and they're thinking, I want to, like, learn more about yeah, this. this. I've never heard of so this. So Christian Deeper Learning, okay. it's, uh, this is um, one of my ventures. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we started this seven years ago. Okay. Now, if you go to christiandeeperlearning.org, uh-huh. there's a, a thrice, a three times weekly uh, blog okay. that gets put out. I do a regular podcast. Right. And then we have an annual um 
conference. So this year the conference is going to be in Vancouver. We have, um, and it's really for teachers. I yeah. mean, it's leaders are invited. To, uh, school leadership is invited, but it's really looking at this on the on the classroom level. Yeah. So it's equipping teachers well with how that. do you do this on a day to day basis and create healthy culture in your in your schools. So you process. found a mentor and you've been mentored in this in this arena. I'm curious, like when mm-hmm. you are a mentor. So like you know, how do you? Because I think people get intimidated yeah. to become a mentor because they're like, I don't have yeah. time. I've got kids. I've got. Well, I think you, you know. ask that person, what do you need? Yeah. Like, what do you want? What what role do you want me to fill? Yeah. Is it? Um, do you need help advancing? You know yourself in your career. Do you need help advocating for yourself or negotiating your salary or whatever? Yeah. I mean, specific. Be specific. What is it that you want me to help you do? Right. Because there's probably a reason why that person was selected to be a mentor Yeah. by that person. Like if someone's asking you, hey, will you mentor me? Yeah. Instead of your knee jerk being like, I don't have time. I don't know. Like ask them like, Just be, what's why? the expectation? Yeah, why what do you, you need? Yeah. Great. I'm honored. Yeah. Super honored. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Because you could have chosen anybody else. Yeah. Thank you. What is that? What, when you ask me to do that, what does that look like for you? How do you think younger women can ask older women, maybe in their Bible study or at their office or like, I know for me, one of the problems was working in politics. There was literally no one. Like there Mm. was no other women. There's no other Christian women. I, at church, it was like a lot of stay at home moms and and people who could not relate to what I was dealing with. And then at work, I didn't know any Christian women. Yeah. So I was like on an Island. I had Christian friends, but they were all peers my age, you know? So how would you find a mentor and then like how would you recommend a young woman approach them approach your mentor well first of all it needs to be you need to show interest in the person of that mentor not just in their role okay and what they could do for you okay (laughs) so they don't feel like you're trying to like social climb them right right so it needs to be authentic relationship but you know i think you go that 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 young woman could approach the the person she wants to mentor mm-hmm. her and go, first of all, I admire you. You know, there's things that I've noticed um, that, you know, first of all, I, I, I want you to know that I learn from you. I watch you. Mm. Not in a creepy way. <laughs> <laughs> but just in a, yeah. you know, so much more is caught than, than taught yeah. in anything we do. Yeah. And so just for that woman, for the probably older woman to go, well, thank you. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm honored to hear that. Yeah. And then for that young woman uh, or the, the woman requesting a mentoring relationship to say, do you have time? Could we meet regularly? You know, maybe it's just for coffee here at work. Yeah. And I could just ask you a few questions. Mm. You know, I would love to hear your story. I would love to hear some of the things that have been challenging for you and how you've overcome that. Um, how you balance many things mm. going on at the same time in your life, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. just kind of maybe setting be- some expectations, saying, like, could I meet with you maybe once a month or just right. kind of being clear with what they you're need, asking. Yes. They need to know why they're wanting a mentor. Yeah. First of all. Because that, that's probably it. the first question the mentor needs to ask is, right. what do you need? Yeah. Right. You know? And then, but if you can, as the mentee, come prepared, say, hey, I would love yeah. for you to, to mentor me in this way. Yeah. Uh, I really admire this about you and I want to learn from you in these ways. Yeah. Do you have yeah. one hour once a month or something. Do you have any bandwidth at all? Do you have any bandwidth? Yeah. Because I think that's something that, and then also to like not take it as rejection if they say no. Yeah. Like they may like, not. I just don't They may be right totally now. stretched thin at yeah. this moment. Like, but then maybe ask them again or say, hey, right. well, when, when would things loosen up for you? And if they won't, that's okay. I just am curious. And then like also if they're not the right pick, then move on and keep trying to find one. Truly. You know? And it doesn't have to be a woman. That's true, yeah. I mean, it could be like my mentor that has influenced me most within my education world is is a man. Yeah. Who's my dad's age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it's finding someone that you already are learning from. Yeah. And then inviting them into that space mm-hmm. and praying about it. I mean, yeah. praying that they would be, that this would give them joy too. Yeah. You know? How, how do you, if you're, let's say you're in a point in your career where you want to give back. Mm-hmm. And you're maybe, you know, ready to mentor someone. How do you find a good person to mentor? What are you looking mm. for to mentor someone? Well, in our training yeah. with uh, with Elevate, we talk about being faithful, available, teachable. Oh, I love that. Right? Yeah. The, the, the fat. Uh, fat. Faithful. Faithful, available, teachable. You're looking teachable. for someone fat. <laughs> yeah. Look for some fat women, right? <laughs> no. No offense. No offense. Yeah. But, you know, who are, 
who are the women in your field that keep showing up, right? Mm-hmm. Are, do they have bandwidth? Are yeah. they available? Yeah. Um, are they naturally curious? Yeah. Uh, are they teachable? You know, like when they, when they get feedback from someone else, mm-hmm. how do they respond to that? Right. Do they take it defensively? Um, if they do, then they're probably not ready for that level of relationship. Yeah. Um, so look, looking for those things is... I think, too, just being empowered to, to know that you can and should mentor. Because that's something I yeah. feel like a lot of women who are in a like in a later season in their mm-hmm. life, maybe 50s, 60s, they're like, I don't know. I don't feel relevant anymore. I don't know if anyone wants to hear from me. It's like, no, no, no. Like, oh, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> please. All of us in our 30s and 40s and, you know, 50s still want to learn from, you know, women up Well, there. maybe even think about creating a platform where yeah. those women can meet these women. Yeah, exactly. You know, where there's, there's interested men tees mm-hmm. and there's a group of women who would be interested in mentoring and you know more oftentimes it, it happens more organically yeah <clears throat> at work um or in some kind of Church other or, you know yeah. other venture you know maybe you meet another woman another woman like at a um at a business meeting or yeah. a conference and you go oh gosh i want to be you in 10 years yeah you know so that's when it kind of but but other times you need it you need more like a uh, a more strategic plan of matchmaking between the men- mentee and mentor. Like, totally. Yeah. Well, I think that's super helpful just because I think that is something that's sort of missing right now because mm-hmm. I know I've been mentored from people from afar, from mm-hmm. their books, from their podcasts. True. But there is a level of like just personal relationship that can't, can't be ignored. Right. I'm curious what you have faced as a woman in leadership because I think just to change subjects a little bit, I think one of the challenges is the reason you need a mentor sometimes is because you're like, I don't know how to overcome certain challenges as a woman, yeah. whether that's in the corporate environment or the ministry environment or yeah. nonprofit environment. Like, it's like there's different mm-hmm. challenges that are unique to women leaders mm-hmm. in leadership context. So I'm curious, like, what have you had to overcome? Yeah. Great question. <clears throat> I think my biggest hurdle that I've had to overcome as a woman of faith, mm-hmm. and a lot of my work has been in Christian ministry or nonprofit yeah. work. Yeah. And I, th- I would say, by, you know, above and beyond everything else, is helping men see me as a leader. <laughs> What do you men mean by of, that? Men of all ages, <laughs> yes. typically older men. Okay. Um, there's there's certain social uh, constructs yeah. that women don't lead. Right. You know? And I, I grew up in the South. I grew up in Texas. I grew up um, in a Baptist church. My mother was a leader in yeah. the Baptist church, but she was never given the status, pay, or recognition mm. of leadership because she was a woman. And that's so interesting. So how there's that acknowledgement, like we want you to do this stuff, but well, women are what get it done. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you don't have women on your team, you're probably not getting anything done. <laughs> but there's rarely, often, will a group of men acknowledge young women as leaders on their teams. Yeah, and and grow them. Right. Invite them into leadership. Yeah. You know, and I saw this a lot of a lot of times in um Christian education. You yeah. know, when I was running our school, <clears throat> I was uh yeah, I would go to these leadership conferences and I'm like, I'm the only head of school here that's a woman. Yeah. Wow, why is that? When everybody else in your staff is a woman. Yeah. Why does it have to be the one dude? Yeah. You know? It's just these these parameters that we put we these social contracts that we have in our head that and I think a lot of times because there's not a, a great precedence for women in these top levels of leadership, mm-hmm. I think women just don't even see themselves as, as able to. Yeah. I mean, there's just like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. That I could do that. Why do you think from your perspective, because I don't think men necessarily. I don't I think, think it's, it's conscious. I think it's a blind spot. I, I think, think it's a total blind they, spot. I don't think that. I think yeah. they kind of feel the same way, like, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, this, this does make sense to elevate you right. into this role. Like, why wouldn't I? You've been doing all the work of it, you know? <laughs> you know, but I think, why? how can men be a little bit more aware, do you think? I think, first of all, if you're a man in leadership, you're probably not listening to this podcast. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> However, if you know men in leadership, um, it's, for. I'll, I'll just say this, for the women who are listening on this podcast, you have to pursue leadership opportunities. Mm. And it, you don't jump from one 
thing to the next, you know, you, you, you start slowly. You, you earn that right to be heard as a leader. You mm-hmm. take on a new project. You begin to mentor a group of new teachers. You, you, you take on new responsibilities so that you begin to see yourself more in a leadership role Mm -hmm. and others begin to see you as that go-to person to get things done. Right. Right. And then as opportunities arise, put your name in the hat. Yeah. Raise your hand. Even if you don't think you're a great candidate, put your name in the hat. Interview for that position. Yeah. Doesn't hurt. Yeah. And then it begins to, for people to to begin to see you as, oh, Sarah interviewed for that job. Yeah. That wasn't the best fit, but there's another one coming up around the corner. Yeah. We should we should recruit her for that. Yeah. You know? And I would say the biggest hurdle for a lot of women is confidence. Yeah. Is a lack of confidence. You think women hold themselves back from Oh, I know we do. Yeah. Yeah. We we always we typically underestimate our abilities. And I think that's part of the, my critique with the feminist format of mm-hmm. advancing women's right and leadership mm-hmm. and you know all of those things mm-hmm. is that they, it assumes that men are the problem men are holding us back men are no. holding us down and it's like actually a lot of men are not like mm-hmm. that no. especially now no. and it's we are holding ourselves back right we're not <laughs> the ones taking initiative yeah we're not the ones that are being able to see ourselves well and and for a, as a woman of faith a lot of women feel like it's a it's um it's a conflict of interest like mm-hmm. i can't choose if i choose to to grow in leadership that will negatively affect my family yeah like it's one or the other and i can say no mm-hmm. in fact i have three daughters i want them to see me as a leader yeah and my so example yeah i saw my mother as a leader and yeah. she saw her mother as a leader yeah. you know and so when i can step into those opportunities it's also training my three yeah <laughs> you know to be able to go you to, know to have the confidence to have the, to have the confidence yeah and to seek those opportunities I love that what do you think like needs to change around like are there changes that need to be made to make more space available for women because I think that is the counterpoint to this mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. look there's just not seats at the table even if you do raise your hand there's no way you're getting in that room you know well Gosh, I mean, going back to the conversation about nonprofit, yeah, there's so many spaces in nonprofit seek to be on a board. Okay, right? Yeah, that's a great. You can advice. be 22 years old and be on the board of directors at a nonprofit. Yeah, they would love to have you as a as a Gen Z. Yeah, right, it's a different voice. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, <clears throat> look for short term um, opportunities. You know, yeah. a lot of times there's like. Um, leadership courses in communities that that are college level you know you're not getting credit for it but man you are getting really connected with other young leaders in your community um talk to your supervisor and go i want to continue to grow Mm -hmm. let the people that you work with know that you are interested that you're wanting to be trained that you're wanting the challenge you have to voice it yeah because if you don't voice it people can't read your mind that's true it's kind of like I'm curious too, like, cause you did do that with, you know, going to the Yale school. Mm-hmm. Like you, yeah. you're like, I need to, I know. need, I want to grow in this. So Even I after need to 30 find- years, like you're <laughs> like, I need to, yeah. I'm curious what you took from that program. Yeah. And, and it's a short course. It's yeah. not like a full master's or anything. Right. It's a short course. Is it, it a certificate program? It was a certificate program. Okay. It was with women all over the world. Wow. So it was women from Asia and Europe and the Americas. Um, and it was really that the the goal of it was helping us learn. Um, well, my big takeaway from that program was you actually interview like ten or twelve people who you worked with, either under you, over you, uh, alongside. Oh, interesting. Okay. And you there's a questionnaire, a survey. <laughs> I'll send you the questions. Uh, but you send it to these different people, and you go, "What stood out about my leadership? When ooh, was I leading really, really well?" That's got to expose you to some. I know. I was like. <laughs> Do I want to know this? <laughs> uh, but, and then you go, you read all of their responses and you yeah. go, what are the common threads? Yeah. What? And so for me, I learned that, that I lead through relationship. Yeah. I lead through authentic relationship development. Yeah. And that's my superpower. Okay. You know? And so when I'm in a position of leadership, I know, I know without a doubt what I bring to the table. Yeah. And when I know that, I can lead confidently in that vein. That makes sense. Which is so helpful. 
Yeah. I don't need to imitate someone else's leadership style. I have mine. Well, I think this brings up a really important point of like, I think a lot of times women think they need to lead like a man mm-hmm. in, and it feels awkward. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll, I, everyone's had that female leader that's their boss or whatever, who's has that very alpha like energy yeah. and competitive yeah. and yeah, just kind of, well. and it's like, it's almost like unnatural. Like you're like, yeah. is this your real personality or like, <laughs> like, but I think it's because what they're doing is they're taking on and maybe, I mean, I think they've learned so much from someone else that yeah, it's not their fit. Trying to yeah. mirror and especially mm-hmm. in these like cultures, like politics or, mm-hmm. you know, if you're working at a hedge fund or you're working in very male dominated environments mm-hmm. sure. that are very competitive or can sometimes be toxic. I think sometimes those toxic traits yeah, can be adapted from unhealthy men and women. But like I found for me, like, I kind of had a detox from some of that, yeah. my my leadership from some of the places I had operated in because the leaders I worked for yeah. were so unhealthy. And yeah. I think that part of it is realizing, like, if you're getting bad feedback on that questionnaire, right, it might not be that you're a bad leader. It might just be, like, you've picked up some habits along the way that yeah. aren't natural to you or aren't natural to being a woman leader. and. Mm-hmm. You're trying to put on an ill-fitting suit, kind of. Right. Everybody makes the joke about the politician, the female politician who's in the pantsuit or whatever, and it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, it's because literally, visually, you're trying to look like a man, right? And yeah. you're a woman, and people feel like and you're different. It's weird, yeah. you know. So, yeah, uh, I'm curious. So like, lead from your strengths, right? Know your strengths first of all. Okay. Own your strengths, yeah. and then lead consistently through that. I love that advice. What would going off of that? What would you say to like your eighteen-year-old self if you could go back and seeing the career you've had, seeing the things you've learned as a leader? Like, what would you say to her? Oh my gosh, I don't. <laughs> that was the one question I was like, um, I tended to be super sassy as an eighteen-year-old, <laughs> and I really didn't listen to advice very well at all. I was okay. really independent, headstrong kind of, very headstrong. I would say to my eighteen-year-old self. Be more teachable. Find Notice the people around you that already are mentoring you mm-hmm. and lean more into those relationships. Okay. And I look back at my time. I mean, I you know, Young Life was a huge part of my life. So I was, you know, I grew up in Young Life. I was a Young Life leader. We were on staff. And so just that whole organizational construct, I had a lot of people around me, whether they were volunteers or other staff, that were pouring into me. Mm. But I didn't necessarily see them as uh, positive mentoring that I should be pursuing. Okay, I you didn't ca- see I just, the opportunity. Kinda. I didn't see the opportunity, and I I really took a took I did not take advantage of a lot of uh, opportunities that I should have for personal growth. I love that actually because I think that's one thing that nobody who I've interviewed has said. You know, I was a little bit naive. Oh. <laughs> I was, you know, I, I missed some opportunities. Oh, I missed so many opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that now, too. I'm like, dang, who should I have, you know, talked yeah. to back then? Who could have given me knowledge? And I think it's all about acceleration, right? Like, yeah. the the mentor gives you a For new sure. platform to stand upon because oh, yeah. they're funneling you information they've had to learn the hard way, mm-hmm. you know. So. so go back, you know, if you're faithful, available, and teachable, yeah, you are going to receive so much more. Yeah. From your mentor than if you're headstrong, <laughs> yeah. independent. <laughs> or just like oblivious. You're not or paying oblivious. attention to the, totally. to the resources around you. Yeah. I'm curious, like, do you have a specific leadership rule that you kind of live by? Like, mm. like you've cultivated? Yes. That, okay. uh, and I wrote this down, love those you lead. Oh, I love that. So if I am truly loving the people that I'm uh, burdened for, mm-hmm. you know, um, because leadership happens at so many different mm-hmm. levels, you know, yeah. um, if I'm truly loving yeah. them, yeah. then my leadership is going to be so much more effective. And does that mean like, like, what do you mean by loving them? Like, does that mean knowing them? First yeah. of all, being truly for them. Yeah. Not just self self-centered for my gain yeah but other centered um that this is going to bless them this is going to be a benefit to them yeah uh but taking the time to get to know them know what's important to them um and and part of my a a big part of my leadership style is equipping others Mm -hmm. like i i don't want anyone to stay in the same role yeah i want them continuing to grow and develop and have new challenges and continue to 
whether they stay with our organization or not. Yeah. You know, just you're like, genuinely for them. I'm genuinely for them. I get excited when when they move on because they have a better opportunity. Yeah. You know? And so if I can love them well, if I don't love them well, I can't lead them well. Yeah. I love that. Say that one more time too. If I don't love them well, I can't lead them well. And I think that's something that people forget because you can get kind of transactional with people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I just need you to do your job. Like, I just need you to like yeah. turn these reports on. Just follow or, through. Yeah. But yeah. I think if you really take the time to invest in someone and there are going to be bad apples that you're going to have to deal with and be like, okay, I've, <laughs> I've invested in this person and you know, yeah. Um, but I think on the whole, that's good advice. Like for most people. And that was one thing that we learned in our 19 years in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. When we first moved there, we were 20, early twenties. And we had this very American mentality of you're just going to get it done. Yeah. Right. We need we need something. We need we need something to happen and we need you to do it. It's very warm culture. Oh, though, my goodness. That did not unless and, and across every social strata, if you didn't make the effort to get to know that person, hmm. they weren't going to do anything for you. That's so like cool. zero. Yeah. <laughs> You'll learn real quick that you got to adapt your leadership style. I mean, even <laughs> things like paying your bills at the bank, you know, yeah. it's like if you're not in community with if them you're and- not kind mm-hmm. and show value and give you know and and and, and call out their dignity um they're not gonna do anything for you it's so interesting because especially with warm cultures this is something i learned in like my ywam training yep. was they said like you know americans it's like if we're going to the bank right and then we have another appointment and we see somebody we know, we might kind of try to hide from them because we don't have time to talk with them. We just need to make our <laughs> deposit and like get to our next meeting, right? Whereas in yeah. warm culture, they will run to you. Oh, hi, yes. I haven't oh, seen. Yes. And you're like, and, and, and it's totally understood and acceptable yeah. to be an hour late yeah. to your appointment because you saw your friend and you had totally. to talk to your friend. Yeah. You know, and then the person you're late to understands because, of course, you couldn't just pass that person. It's that okay. Would be, all day and for us it's just such a mind shift of like we're time oriented they're much more task oriented event event and and relationship oriented yeah Yeah. so I love that but that but but that skill yeah of developing relationships so that we can become effective together you know I mean I, I I came back to the states eight years ago and I'm like Wow, that's still a skill that works here. Even well, and that's in American your superpower, culture. right? Like yeah. that you cultivated it Truly. there, but that's what now yeah. guides your leadership here and is yeah, actually. We can get so much more done when, because what happens is when I truly care about you and you yeah. care about me, we develop trust. Yeah. And then when that trust is built, we can do so much more together. Yeah. Whereas if I'm just contacting you to do something mm-hmm. and you're just, I mean, if it's just transactional, then, meh, you know. We, we just won't be able to do nearly as much together. Well, and I think that's especially true. And now there's so many hybrid work environments because yeah. of COVID people, yeah. a lot of teams now are part-time in office, part-time mm-hmm. out. And so that relational mm-hmm. like distance it, it can has get affected relationships, bigger yeah. and bigger. And it's like, as a team, you need to always be fighting to keep that. Even if your <laughs> work dynamic changes, like those yeah. relational yeah connections because like as you're saying like relationships equal trust sometimes yeah. and without trust you can't really build things together because people start to get catty about well why did she ask for this and didn't right. email it on time and you know it all turns into a big misunderstanding yeah and yeah. like miscommunication so I'm curious like what resources you I know you have some books I if do you're, if you're watching the yeah. podcast you have some books that you brought in show and tell if people want to like Continue? You're an educator. Yes. So educate us. I how brought my books. We, how can we be <laughs> equipped in our leadership? What can we read and, uh, and do? Well, first of all, I would just say everyone has their own resources, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone has people in their sphere mm-hmm. that you're learning from already. Yeah. And so for if you're interested in finding a mentor, you probably already have someone that's speaking into your life. Mm-hmm. So it's more of just kind of pausing and going, who do I already listen to? Yeah. Who do I allow to influence my, my life, mm-hmm. my, my thoughts, my, yeah. my world? And then if they're nearby or if they're still alive, uh, <laughs> uh, reaching out to them and seeing if there's any kind of bandwidth. You know, beginning that conversation mm-hmm. of I would like to continue to learn from you more um, you know, maybe more proactively, you know, yeah. but, and I would say to approach somebody more in your immediate sphere, not mm-hmm. like somebody you follow online, because no. the likelihood that they're going to want to sew into somebody that well, follows them. Well, and you can't believe 
that that's actually how they really live. Yeah, you, you never know. That's their <laughs> that's their visual. That's their public self. Public self. What you want is to find someone who is living authentically mm-hmm. the values that are important to you. Mm-hmm. But there's there's three books that I've read this year and that have really impacted my thinking as a woman, mm-hmm. as a as a follower of Christ, as a leader. Um, and this one is called The Making of Biblical Womanhood. Mm-hmm. So it's by Beth Allison Barr. Okay. Um, How the Subjugation of Women Became Gospel Truth. Oh, Ooh, interesting. So a good. spicy title. <laughs> <laughs> really good. She is an historian. She's a professor at Baylor. Um, okay. She's really good. And then this one is Jesus and John Wayne. Okay. If you haven't read this one, this one's a little controversial. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so good. It really talks. It goes through the, the last like uh, from the 50s and how evangelical um, conservatism has, has impacted how, mm-hmm. how politics and, and faith have become so intertwined so that married. it's really hard to separate the two today. Yeah. Where, where have we come from? Mm-hmm. And so she's a, also an historian, um, kind of walks through generationally, decade by decade, what's been going on. Mm. And then this one is... Um, by Christy McClellan. This is just a Bible study we did at our church called Jesus and Woman. And she's more of a biblical culturist. Okay. And so she goes back and looks at how 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 controversial hmm. Jesus' interactions were with women. with women because he saw them. Hmm. And he, he gave them value. Yeah, in a, in a culture that didn't. In really. a culture that didn't. Yeah. You know, there were disciples that, like Mary, mm-hmm. that uh, sat at his feet and learned from him. Yeah. But yet she wasn't included in one of the 12, you know? Right. But truly, she was one of his disciples. Yeah. So anyway, she goes back and, and kind of, she's she's in a, so all these are kind of college level texts, but yeah, really good to read. Well, and even if you are someone who might initially bristle at like, Mm-hmm. Oh, but I am conservative and this is just going to mm-hmm. be one of these, you know, out there, yeah. you know, people. It, I find it's good to read books from different points of view. Absolutely. And then formulate your yeah. own view and also your own worldview of like, how have I been influenced by how I was raised? If I was like you right, being raised in Texas, yeah. in Southern, you know, Southern Baptist well, culture. And this woman's past is so similar to mine. Yeah. As far as kind of the, the messages that were given to women. Mm hmm. And that's why she became a leader in the the university realm. Yeah. Because there was no space for her in the church. And I think you that's know? a common problem. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's something where I didn't even realize just how ingrained certain things were about mm-hmm. feeling like, even, even last year, like, or actually last three years since I got married, I almost, like, went into this autopilot of, like, I have to quit everything so I can become a mom. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, where... It was like, you don't have to, well, why? <laughs> like, what? Like, yeah. nobody told me that my husband didn't tell me that. I know. Like, these you internalized know, messages. It's weird. It was like, I actually like yeah. was talking to some girlfriends. One's a stay at home mom, been there for a decade, you know, and one's, uh, you know, a working mom and yeah. has little kids now. And I'm like, how did you guys decide what was best for you? And they were just like, we just kind of, as a family figured out what worked yeah. and what we felt God was calling it's us a- to deeply personal decision a hundred percent sure but you don't realize how much stuff is autopiloted Oof. and I thought I made the same decision yeah when our second was born I was like well I'm just gonna be a stay-at-home mom yeah well, I did that for six months and I just about lost my mind <laughs> I'm not kidding I'm like oh my gosh I'm going crazy yeah I need something else besides this besides diapers <laughs> besides little people and so I started working part time, which yeah. is what got me into teaching. Okay. And I started teaching at a school down the down the street when we lived in Santo Domingo, and I was like, "Whoa, this is the best!" It just felt more balanced. It just it was it was an opportunity for me to grow professionally mm-hmm. without sacrificing anything that I was doing with my kids. Yeah. You know, and honestly, I came home after teaching for four hours a day, and I was excited to see my kids. Yeah. It's like I've been gone for four hours. What'd you do? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And so it, it made me, we, we have to make decisions that for our own mental health. Yeah. Truly. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't say this is the, 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 the flat decision that every woman has to make. Right. No. No, you have to, it's a, that's why I'm like, it's a deeply personal decision. Even if everyone in your community does it one way and doesn't you. Doesn't mean you have to. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that is just challenging those yeah, mindsets. Those norms. Yeah. My mother was a full-time 
she she worked full time. Okay. Um, and so I and her mother worked full time, which okay. is my mother's seventy six. I'm fifty, and so I mean this was generally generationally not the norm, right? You know? No, especially for my grandmother. Yeah. But they needed to because financially they needed another income. Uh, income. And then my mother just, I mean, she's, my gosh, she's, she's one of my, she's one of my heroes yeah. as a woman leader, you know? And so I, I used her example to go, I can still work and still raise my kids with my husband. Yeah. And I think you have to have really honest discussion with your, with your partner yeah. of roles and who's doing what, who's and- doing what, because if if your partner still sees you in a highly traditional role, mm-hmm. you're going to be, and you still want to work full time. Oof. Yeah. It's probably not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unless you like can hire some of those things out. And I think that's true. something like you that's have to true. have some honest conversations about bandwidth. Like yeah. what literally can you manage? Can yeah. you both split the household totally. chores? Yeah. Do you need to outsource them? Like, yeah. you know, and I think those are the logistical conversations that people are starting to have now. Yeah. But I think it just starts with just kind of an awareness of like, is this the right thing mm-hmm. for me? And mm-hmm. and I think, I mean, just to kind of close our conversation, mm-hmm. like, do you have any advice for women who are maybe in that dance right now who are trying to figure out? They've had, you've had a career. Yeah. Now you want a family. Now yeah. what do you do with your career? Yeah. Or it? you currently are at home and you're and like. you need a career. And you need a career. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So one of my past roles was I directed a women's uh, employment program. Okay. So we, and a lot of the women that were coming in were women who had taken care of everybody else in the world. Yeah. Children, parents. Yeah. And now they're in a place where, for one reason or the other, they're having to step out and, and get a job on their own mm-hmm. that's that's away from the home. Yeah. And it was, I mean, confidence was the number one biggest. Yeah, it's intimidating. It was really intimidating. Because um, we can train skill-wise, but confidence yeah. takes a little bit longer to yeah. to grow. Um, I would say for any woman, whether you are a stay-at-home mom or not, continue to serve and look for ways to be involved civically. Okay. Like you could be a stay-at-home mom, but you can still serve in positions of leadership. Like at the PTA. Yeah, or, yeah. because when you're applying for a job, when it comes, 50% of marriages fail. Yeah. Let's just start there. Yeah. So even if you feel like you're never going to your marriage is never going to fail. Yeah. Statistically, half, <laughs> half of them do. Yeah. So we as women can't just kind of kick back and be like, I'm never going to have to find a job. Right. Um, in fact, if, you, if you're if you not actively in something, mm-hmm. it really is hard to mm-hmm. be employable. Yeah. So, but if you, but all of those volunteer opportunities, you know, if you're. Can add up. Oh, yeah. That can, that can substitute uh, a work, like an em- employed um, position. Yeah. So if you volunteer for Habitat for Humanity and you served on their board or you served, you know, on this event mm-hmm. or work, I mean, it shows that you have been in leadership roles, have been in leadership that you can follow through that, that mm-hmm. you have these employable skills. That's good advice. As I think that is something that sometimes like, you know, I grew up with us, you know, my, my parents got divorced. So my mom was a working mom, but, and my dad was in the picture, but it was, you know, she operated like a single mom Mm -hmm. and then she never remarried. So there was never a balance to that. And then my grandmother was single in the fifties, like at nine months with my mom. My mom was nine months old when her husband left her. And so it was like, you know, tragic. Yeah. Like, and so I saw, you know, both of the women in my life, have to you step know up. have to step up and mm-hmm. I think sometimes I look around at women who get married really young mm-hmm. right out of school and they they don't think they need to ever have a career or have any leadership role right and it's like right. and something can something can happen something can happen and it's just like you right. know and it's like I think there's a level of always being cultivating something mm-hmm. whether that's a side hustle or volunteer position at church or whatever like I think mm-hmm. that's something that I am really passionate about seeing Mm-hmm. women do so I think it's great advice I think women need to we need to see ourselves as leaders I agree no matter what's there where you are in your yeah. life okay if last question this okay. is like a fun one <laughs> I didn't prepare you for this okay go ahead what is it <laughs> but if you have a free day and you have no responsibilities oh. no limits as a seven oh. <laughs> like what do you do like there's this is as a dream. many things as possible this is a dream <laughs> this is a dream day like so you can do there's no financial limitation time limitation Oh, well, I do live here in Denver, greater Denver area. So depending on the time of year, uh-huh. I'd probably go for... You can a, pick the time of year. Oh, 
See, this is well, a dream gosh. day. It's a dream day. It's going to be both sunny and snowy. So Perfect. Okay. I'd go for a long bike ride. Okay. Uh, and or go ski. Okay. Um, maybe with someone else. Okay. Maybe not. I'm totally fine just going on a ski day by myself. Yeah. I'll meet people on the on the on slopes. The, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Get to know their life story on the on the ride up. <laughs> um, yeah, and I would probably spend the evening with my family. Go okay. out to some really nice place to eat. Have dinner. Have dinner, and then either come home or go out for a movie or something. That sounds so, fun. But yeah, I love that. I, as a seven, I like to pack in a lot of things. Yeah, you're like, so. how much can I cramp into my dream? <laughs> Only day? 24 hours. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so yeah. much for thank being you on the for, podcast. I'm honored to be. If people want to follow this. you and kind of yeah. see what you're up to, where can they follow you? Well, I do have an Instagram. Okay. It's my personal Instagram. Okay. Uh, it's Dulos Dama. Okay. D-O-U-L-O-S-D-A-M-A. My email is my full name, Krista Adams Wallace at Gmail. So if people are interested in more, hearing more about leadership development with either nonprofits or education, uh, I'd love to follow up. Great. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I hope you liked that episode. And if you did, please share it with your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, really anyone. You never know who may need the encouragement. Also, if you would rate, review, and subscribe, that goes a long way to helping this leadership community grow and reach more women. To learn more about me or to find out about my coaching programs, please check out my website, IamSarahFernandez.com. And remember, I'm Sarah with no H. Until next time.